everyone, to another Pro Video Coalition podcast. This time we are on another topic, and we're going to talk about LTO. And I uh, don't honestly know what the acronym LTO stands for, linear tape something or another. And why are we talking about open. something like, wait, wait, what is it? Linear tape open, meaning the format. Linear you tape open. And that's uh, Gary Adcock that's... up in Chicago. Gary, welcome. Thank you, sir. And the other voice was uh, Ken Kist, who is uh, one of our compadres over at Film Tools. And Ken knows much about LTO. And uh, that's why we invite him on to sort of chat about the whole thing. Because here's what here. Let me I mean, LTO obviously is a uh, for archiving. It is a industry standard for archiving everything from bank data to I'm sure lots of medical data gets archived on LTO to, of course, video and audio as a um, long-term storage medium. But when I think of LTO, I think of it's complex and expensive. That's my only two things I know about it. Am I wrong? Convince me I'm wrong. I think there's a, a misnomer that it's complex and, and expensive, and that's maybe what we can dispel a little bit here today. Well, uh, I'm, I'd, I'd agree with that. You know, It used to be expensive, and it used to be difficult to work with, but there's a lot of tools that have popped up on the market. I mean, I have, it's not just rack mount stuff anymore. I have a, I have an M tape machine that connects over Thunderbolt. Mm -hmm. it's, it's easy. It's desktop. It's, it's moved as much as in the way of everything else in our industry as the cameras and the recorders have, you know, how we use phones and, and now we're doing this. And, and it's really interesting that, that a lot of people are still afraid of the older technologies, but, but the one thing you've got to remember is everything in your life has been archived on LTO. Everything your bank data. Well, your bank data, mm -hmm. everything that you've ever done, um, you know, anything school records wise, any military records, medical records, all of that data, whether it was originally paper or now as ones and zeros is archived on tape systems by banks and universities and medical facilities and all that kind of stuff. It's the largest archive format used. Well, perhaps exactly. I'm poo pooing it for no reason. So, Ken, how did. If it goes back that far into history, how did it become a standard for archiving in the, uh, the, the video space? So what happened is that you have and exactly you know what you both are discussing is that back through history and people were wanting to record their data. You know, it used to be on paper, then it used to go to like reel to reel. And then they started coming out with things like jazz tape, DLT tape, um, AIT tape. And people really started using more of this tape media, whether it was eight millimeter format or, or whatever it was, some sort of magnetic tape to start recording all of this media. Well, AIT over the years became the standard, and that was made by Sony primarily. Does, but what it, happened does AIT, was, sorry to interrupt, is it AIT an acronym for something like, like yes, LTO would and, be? Um, you know what, because it was so long ago, it, it escapes me right now. Okay. But it is. All of these are you know, digital linear tape, you know, jazz tape, all those different things. They were all acronyms for different tapes. Okay. Um, but AIT was Sony's, you know, claim to fame for data tape. And there was a lot of data that was put on AIT. But the problem with AIT was it was small and it was eight millimeter. So you have, you know, something that had a lot of limitation, even though with their, you know, metal evaporation processes, they still had limitations as far as how much they could put onto an actual cartridge of tape. Um, so while that was very popular, uh, that's, that's really where people saw putting on data, whether it was finance or health or anything like that. They were putting on these tapes. And then what happened was is that the media industry started realizing, wow, we can start putting uh, quite a bit of data, uh, data on this tape. 
instead of having to use mainframe systems and things like that. And then they would archive off their media so that they could keep their mainframe system clean to do their editing. Well, what happened is over the years, then LTO came on board with their different generations of LTO, one, two, three. Uh, now we're talking nine and they're already on, scaling on up um, into the future. But LTO really took off because what they did, which was really the kicker for them, is that over the generations, after about three or four, uh, they came out with LTFS, which allowed it to be a file system. Because in the past, it used to have to be where if you put data on an AIT tape or if you put data on an LTO tape, it was called a tarball. And so that file was well, one I'm sorry. Did you say a tarball as tar in T-A-R-B-A-L-L? T-A-R. And what that is is that's an extension for a file. And what that means is, is it takes every file that you're putting into a file system or a folder and it puts it into a tar file, kind of like a zip file. And what it does is ah. that they put that onto the tape. And then you have to, in order to restore one file, you have to restore the entire folder. Well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But that's the way it used to be. How do I, no, have so, I never I mean, heard of this? I, I, I've never heard of a tar ball. That's, that's hilarious. No, tar, tar, <laughs> well, tar was a Linux format. And, oh. and tar was a compression format used by operating systems that you never saw. Um, AIT was Advanced Intelligent Tape. Was there the that's what the acronym stands for, and then there's super intelligent, uh, you know, advanced intelligent tape. Are you making are you making that up? Super intelligent, no, advanced no, intelligent, no, no. and they went to super it's intelligent. A, that's advanced, that can be real. Advanced intelligent tape and super advanced intelligent tape. No, it's very much the Japanese naming structure and how they did things. Mm -hmm. And this is and this is the structure that came out. I mean, in, you know, this is what they were using in their early machines from IBM and Xerox, and uh, these are the kinds of formats that were being developed. You know. 50 years ago when man was landing on the moon and, you know, right. Apollo 13. And, you know, you think about Moviola and there's, there's a great Moviola uh, multi-sync system that's in the, it's, that's in the demo room at, at film tools. And the hilarious part about that is that same kind of machine is what they recorded all of the audio for, for the Apollo missions. So that oh, same cool. kind of, of, slow speed recording technology that they had used for this massive amount of data recording for NASA and, and military uses got applied to data technologies in this late 70s and early 80s. And it progressed in through the 90s when we got to, you know, advanced intelligent tape and then later DLT and the rest of them. And, and but, but this tape archive system is still, you know, it's always been the way we've done it. And it's not that it's bad, but the real reason it got to film and television because it was the only file formats that were large enough to put files on that came off cameras. Right. You couldn't move anything any other way. There was, I mean, you, you got to remember, 1990, a, a 20 gigabyte disk didn't exist. A five gigabyte disks were hard to find. <laughs> and, and now you can start using terabytes of data. You could move terabytes of data on these, on these tape drives. So that's why it became an issue, because you started getting the ability to archive the content in the way you needed it without having to break it into lots of smaller pieces, you know? Okay, so let me ask you this, or no, let, let me just make a broad statement, not, or generalization here, or, no, I'm sorry, an observation. Maybe we will edit this. No, I don't think we will. So uh, <laughs> LTO, its, its history has proven to be very robust at doing what we are asking it to do, which is archive stuff for the, for the long term. So there should right. be no... Uh, question whatsoever that it is by far the most reliable uh long-term archive format out there for for media is that is that and, a and the most cost assumption? effective 
And the most cost without question, too. without question. Yeah. And, and just to touch on the points that were made earlier, what really continued to put tape as a format rather than a hard drive or maintaining formats is you also have things like Spielberg got behind this with his Shoah Foundation. So all this Holocaust video, all these testimonials they had through the years, they put that all on AIT originally. And so when you go over to where the libraries were for that, they had these huge machines with huge decks with all these AIT tapes in there with just hours and hours and hours of all of this testimonial video that he recorded. So they started seeing that as, wow, now this is something in the media and entertainment industry that we should be looking at for long-term life of these archive projects. Well, so LTFS, you mentioned uh, we went from the tarball Correct. to LTFS, which meant it was, is there now the ability, or did that give us the ability to not have to restore a whole well, big batch of stuff yeah. where we could say, give me one L file off there? Yeah, correct. LTFS is linear tape file system. <clears throat> and it was developed just for that purpose. Instead of having to unload an entire tape, now it writes the directory and you can do like you were going to a hard drive. It would allow a point on the tape, a physical location on the tape mechanism where you could go in and retrieve the data. And it would leave a marker there. And now you got the ability where you could not, didn't have to download and, and offload, you know, five or ten gigabytes of terabytes of gigabytes, terabytes of data um, to be able to pull off, you know, five or six seconds of a clip. Now you could go in and retrieve just one file. And that was a really revolutionary change. The other change that came about the same time was the, the compact nature of it and how, you know, you were talking about in the you know early two you know early 2000 people were talking about these in banks and by 2005 2008 we were starting moving into the digital age you were now getting requests from the studios to do LTO archives on set of data Mm -hmm. So instead of doing like we do now, where we're uploading through the cloud because the cloud wasn't functioning the same way now, on set, we were actually making a hard drive copy, making an LTO tape copy that stayed with us, and then the disks and the drives, you know, the, the media, camera media and the drives would actually be shipped to you know California and in my place, but mm -hmm. that was that was how it worked. And then the tape archive was that was the universal backup for emergencies, and that was a process that was actually really common from I would say God 2008 2009 through probably 2011 2012. Well, when and did it was you know what, oh, Gary, you know what really pushed that, especially when you're talking about films and features and things. Is it, it wasn't somebody in the media entertainment industry who said, hey, this is a great idea. It was insurance. Oh, insurance, and, yeah. in, when they were underwriting you know, their policies, they said, you have to have two copies of everything at any given moment. So they said, what's a way that we can do that and still ship that hard drive so you can have that faster retrieval? Hmm, interesting. Well, well, so exactly, when, did, yeah. when did LTFS come along as a thing? Uh, you're talking, uh, I think it was the transition between 4 and 5 that became LTFS. So Is that correct? LTO 4, LTO 5, yeah, 5 and 6. So that's not too terribly that's... long ago. Um, no, you're talking about the same time frame that it became common. Uh, I mean, I, when I started on set in the in the mid-2000s, um, I, I was doing, you know, long-form tape stuff in TAR archives, and by the end I was doing LTFS. So in a span of about five or six years, a decade or so ago, it changed. That's oh, so about the 1940s. <laughs> <laughs> bad joke, bad joke. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, sorry. About every we'll year, year and a half, resist. you have these upgrades of a generation. And, and the, the generation of LTO 
becomes a whole nother conversation about whether or not you want to do it and if you have to do it. Um, but every other generation, you have to then upgrade to making sure that you're keeping on the current generation. Um, but as you're doing this, it's moving very fast too. So it's not that far back that we've been on, you know, generation six or um, seven or eight, because we're just now getting to a point where people our customers are using more of the eight now where they're just making that the mainstream, you know, like Gary talked about earlier with that M tape, right? It just became a, a thing just a, a few years back where you could plug these into LTO or I'm sorry, uh, Thunderbolt drives mm -hmm. and it'll plug in just like a normal hard drive. And that's the beauty of LTFS is that you plug it in. It looks like a hard drive on your computer. Well, let me, we'll, we'll get to the, the generational compatibility in a second. I want to ask this first though. Um, you know, for years we worked off of mini DV tape, hi eight tape, uh, beta cam, beta SP, DigiBeta, HD cam, HDSR. We worked off all these tape formats that we migrated away from as digital cameras came along. And then we had, I believe it was the Japanese tsunami that may have put the final nail on the coffin of a lot of the, the usage of, of tape, videotape right. recording in this industry. But yet here, and this is something people always say about LTO, but yet we're now going back in the end, back to tape, which we worked so hard to get away from all these years. It seems like... A step backwards in that sense. I know we're not. I know we're not shooting. You don't put LTO tapes into a camera and shoot to it. But yet we wanted to get away from tape. But yet here we are again talking about the wonders of of tape. Does that not seem well, ironic it, to anybody? Yeah, and and it, and it goes back to Ken's comment about the insurance companies, because you've got to remember that th this is an archive format that governments and banks use, the military and all those kind of things. So it's an acceptable long-term archive. It's, it's also the reason why the generational tapes, you can go back, I think you can read everything to an L LTO2 tape in the current systems. I don't think you can go all the way back to their first generation, but you can read virtually all other formats. And unlike the variety of tapes from a lot of different manufacturers, the LTO standard was pretty much established um, far enough back when the government had their hand in it that all the tapes are the same. And now the only difference is they keep updating the tape compatibility and that so that you can do longer record times and, and more data on the tape. And this ability to put the secondary track for the LTFS added some stuff to it. But it's interesting that, that yeah, you think about it, that we, we, we went away from tape, but every archive in our lives is built on a tape system. So this is not a, that unusual. Well, what, um, you know, when we talk about the generational compatibility, it seems like every time we turn around, there's a new generation of LTO coming along. And that's always a discussion of, okay, what is the backwards compatibility? If I have bought an LTO um, 4 deck, you know, three or four or five years ago, and now we're talking about LTO 9, do I need to buy an LTO 9? And, and the other question I've often heard discussed is, do you have to literally copy all of your old LTO tape data onto newer generational LTO tapes to make sure they're still usable in, in the future. I don't, I never have understood exactly how, you know, how far that generational compatibility goes backwards as well as forwards. Typically um, what you have with that and the, the most acceptable um, way that this has been going forward is that you have two generations back that you can read and one generation back that you can read write. Okay. So typically you have to at least upgrade to the newer format or generation every couple of generations. So if you're a production company who's been in business for a lot of years, and we've got quite a few like that, I'm going to think of a smaller production company because that's kind of the world that I work in, not a studio where you have people and services to do this. But if I walk into my tape room and I see a shelf that maybe has 
oh, I don't know, I guess you could have hundreds of, of LTO tapes from the last, you know, however many years, 10 years, 20 years you've been in business. Do you have to literally figure out what is older than two generations and then take those and copy those to a new one? And if you do that, do you have to do that every couple of years? Well, you only have to do that if you upgrade the hardware. Correct. The, the tape is compatible with the hardware system that you own. So it's, you're not, it, it, it's not like, and it's not like a forced software upgrade like Creative Cloud. Mm-hmm. You know, this, it, it's not going to just update the software for you. It's actually a very mechanical process to update a tape library operating system and to update LTOs tape systems. So so when you get the hardware, the hardware is compatible to what you have. If you need to update your systems and add new technologies, different story. Then you have to think about uh, migrating your systems and those kind of that. But again, even if you go, you know, one or two generations, your new system may be able to read the old tapes. You don't have to write to them. You just need to access that archive. Or in a new system, you can just daisy chain your existing tape structure onto a newer machine and the network stays the same and the new archive is put on new tapes. And as you unarchive old tapes, you then archive them in the new system. Well, it's not as complicated as you think. Well, I, so what, we're on eight now. Did I get that right? And we're, they're introducing right. nine. So if I have a bunch of, you know, LTO two, three, and four tapes in my tape room and possibly, you know, uh, an LTO two drive and an LTO four drive and LTO six drive, if I get an LT, LTO nine <clears throat> system, the new one, will it... I guess I don't understand that. Will it read the LTO two, or will it only read back to LTO seven? If it uh, d- depends on the system, but you could, you can guarantee too whether it reads back to the original tapes you have. Chances are, if it was from the same manufacturer, you might be able to. But mm. if you change manufacturers or or other things like that, it's a lesser likelihood. Um, think about it the same way as that Panasonic cameras can still kind of see data from Panasonic tapes and things like that, or Sony or anyone else. It's very much that way. Is that you if know, you stay in a closed system, it works pretty well. But go ahead, Ken. The, well, I was just going to say the way I see it, though, too, is that even if let's just say you stuck with all hard drives, and this is I'm not arguing you know for hard drives or for LTO or anything like that, but it's just what's the the pros and cons of both, right? But even if you stuck with just all hard drives as your your backup or you know that is what you were trying to use as your long long term archive, don't you still at some point because you get a new laptop, you get a new computer, don't you still need to figure out a way to get new connectivity? Because we're not all yes. on FireWire three or FireWire four hundred and eight hundred anymore, are we? Well, so what happens to all those drives that were on FireWire? Scott is. Scott is. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> you know, look, I, I booted up Final Cut Seven this morning on an old tower for for uh, to pull a file. So you know, well, you know, I, I think and I think no that's a, you know you, you bring up a good point there. Like we can talk about the uh, the difficulty of moving backwards, multi generations, and all that. It, but then there's sometimes the discussion of okay, the reality of really how often do you need to do that. And Gary, you mentioned like daisy chaining, which I guess if I'm thinking about what you mean by that is I get a brand new LTO nine, but I still have my LTO four and my LTO two drive in there. And, and, and um, unless the mechanism inside that drive dies and I can't, you know, won't read the tape anymore. You sort of, I guess at that point you've got multi multiple LTO readers. So you're kind of, you're kind of okay for a while. And how often do you really need that data anyway? Well, and, and, and in an environment where there's a, a more than a couple of people working, it's not uncommon to have multiple LTO readers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have I have two. Um, 
just for my purposes. And I'm a little guy. Um, I don't have 20 people working for me and I'm not doing, you know, 50 million projects a year for, for McDonald's or Playboy or somebody, but, but the content's Playboy. the same. And, and, you know, it's like, yeah, Playboy still does stuff here. This is Chicago. Nice. They have a huge publishing empire. <laughs> They do Just because they don't print the magazine anymore doesn't mean they don't have content. They, what, they don't print the magazine anymore? No. Man. Starting Boy, this year. Times are changing. <laughs> times are, times are uh, totally changing. Well, okay, that's because right. we're getting old. <laughs> yeah, and, tell but, me about but, it. But that's the point is, is there still be, needs to be some way to extract the stuff in the future. And that's where the tape formatting comes in. And, and, and that's what this big purpose has been for, particularly if you're talking about, you know, universities and colleges and that. And, and you know, something's been going on because the Jordan documentary, you know, hey, it's Chicago, got to think mm. about it. But uh, there's a Michael Jordan documentary yeah. that's on every Sunday night on ESPN. That was all archived, you know, and that's 20 years ago, 23, 24 years ago. And I was there. Um, and, and it's interesting to look at how bad some of the archives are because I look at the local sports, you know, NBC Comcast sports channel um, thing, and they're playing umatic tape versions of these games, which I know there's something better that exists. But I'm looking at these, you know, UHD up, up conversions of, of bad umatic footage and going, why didn't they use the betas? <laughs> and and it's those kind of things, you know. It's just like, well, they didn't have access to the archives. This is all they had, or you know, some guy had a VHS of this, and that's what they used of the games. Right. And and that's the problem you run into is that we as a society have started accepting less and less quality. And the, and the purpose of LTO archiving was to be able to save the highest quality masters for the long term. Yeah. Well, if, if I could, I'd like to just go back to two points Gary made, which I think needs to really be looked at here is that one is we were talking about like, why did they start looking at this tape format? Well, what happened was, is that some companies started going back to their drives that they had for four or five years and they went to plug them in to, to spin them up and they didn't work. 10% oh. of hard drives fail, even upon delivery straight out of the box. Oh, no, 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 oh, no, no. They're, they're built with an MTBF indicator. Mean time between failures. And right. anybody who doesn't understand that hard drives are designed at the factory to fail should not be in this business. <laughs> right. So they started looking at that and said, okay, we need something that has a longer life, which is why finance and everything said that this is a better way to do it than just keeping all this on spending data. But the other thing too is that it, it just it just works. You put it on the shelf, you can go take it back. So like Gary was talking about is if you have a, let's just say you had an LTO3 uh, drive and that worked great for you. You can still buy LTO3 uh, tape all day long right now. But even if you had like an LTO6 and that works good for you and you like the LTFS and you've got the connectivity for it, that's still going to work. And those tapes are going to be around for years to be able to still archive your media. Well, you know, I think it's what um, a lot of people use uh hard drives to archive and I, and I don't you know we've got raids we've got uh you know the little <laughs> little pocketbook pocket pocketbook drives off the target shelf but you've also got bare drive people would in the, put in the drive docks and i think that's a very common archive format for people right. and i you know and, and i'm not looking at a shelf with a whole bunch of bare drives on it right now because i'm looking at the other wall but if i look to my right i have a lot of those because that's how i archive a lot of stuff and you know, I think I don't think there's anyone who does that who doesn't realize that you are risking losing because drives do they they do fail. I mean, they're really robust well, these days and they work a lot in a long time, but it's you know, it's no guarantee. Yeah. Well, and and you're literally juggling platters. 
you know, this is this is the guy on the Ed Sullivan show with plates on sticks and they're all spinning simultaneously. Mm -hmm. And basically you're waiting for them to fail. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and that's any disc on the shelf. I mean, I have a huge amount of storage in my office and I keep a lot of stuff. And I it's, storage has been one of those things I've been really involved with for a long time. But LTO is, is, was a battle for me because I didn't believe in the, you know, I don't, I don't need stuff that long. I, I work short term and the longer and longer I've been into my career, the farther and farther I end up going back for my content. And, and that's part of it too, is, is that it's, it's that longevity of the archive. I don't have to keep it in the cloud. I don't have to keep it in, in and have Google decide that I don't longer need need the high res version because their algorithm says that they can just save the 720 version while when I really want the 4K you know or if you download Google Photos and you realize that you never can get the originals back off the site if you don't know how to do it manually and and those are the kind of problems you run into when you use a cloud-based archive system because it's constantly trying to compress the data. It's constantly trying to, to winnow away data that's not being used on a regular basis. Well, this is the perfect thing for LTO. It's made to be archived and put on a shelf. It's designed for that purpose. Whereas cloud storage to me is designed for, you know, let's let's take all the things that we're going to use on a regular basis and maintain them and, and then and and I, I always talked about it as near you know, near term and far term, local and far term, you know, however you depend on your storage, but near term storage is the stuff I'm going to need in the next 30 days. Long term storage is stuff I may need to only access once or twice a year. Mm. That's what an LTO is for. Right. It's for that archive. It's for your portfolio. It's for all of those things that you'll need or that client content that that client, you know, is going to come back in, in a year or two and want that same graphics package and everything else. So you can put it on a tape, pull it back up and change it in real time. And it's not a difficult. It's not difficult. Uh, I mean, for client stuff, it's real important to have that compatibility yeah. of, of going back to an archive. We mentioned, and you know where this really becomes important, like you mentioned earlier, is when you start getting people that are doing documentaries, or even if something happens in the news with a certain talent, everybody in the world is looking for footage for that person, that talent, that event, whatever. If you can go back generations and be able to find that quickly, like a hard drive, but you still have the security that you know it's been sitting there for ten years, and you can pop it back in and it'll still work and be assured that that's going to happen, that's where it becomes very valuable. So, Gary, with all that data you're sitting on, that's where it becomes even more powerful. Well, we it's, mentioned it's uh, profit. Uh, cloud archiving of stuff, and, and, you know, there are cloud services that are selling themselves as an LTO replacement. And, you know, at least with a hard drive on my shelf, I can look at it and, you know, see it or go to the bank or, see, you know, see it in the, in the deposit box as you can with an LTO. I think it almost seems a little bit scary to think about you know, that you can't see where it is in the cloud. And I'm sure Amazon's going to be around forever. But, you know, what guarantee do you have that any cloud-based service is going to be is going to be there in 10 or 20 years? And I don't, I don't but who know. says you can't have both? Like, I, I do believe there's a great place for hard drives. I think they're absolutely well, necessary. No. I think there's a great, great place great. for LTO and also the cloud. I think you, you really do need to have a, a good, well-balanced workflow to have all of those pieces so that you can have the assurance. There's your triple backup right there. Cloud, disk, and LTO. Boom. And it's on your RAID. It's on your near line. So there's four. That's a lot. That's All a right. lot of backup. Okay, so I got a question for you. <laughs> what is a tape robot? I hear people talk about, oh, we, we, we got our LTO robot. Like what? what, what Go ahead, Ken. Robot? <laughs> uh, LTO robot. What it is basically is it's, it's just a big depository of uh, tapes 
they go in there and it's got a arm in there that can read barcodes. Um, and then what it'll do is it'll go grab whatever file. So if you want more than, like mentioned earlier, the M-Tape, that's a great device. It's a single drive though. But if right. you need a library where let's say you have uh, petabytes of data that you need to store all of this in you know one location, let's say you had 200 terabytes or one petabyte or whatever, you could have libraries that will hold 12, 24, 48 of these tapes. And then based on your barcode that you have in the system, your software will say that footage is on this tape with this barcode, that arm will go grab that tape and put it down into the reader and it'll spit that file back for you. Okay. That's cool. So, so it's a, a high-end system, obviously. It's a what? Well, it's a mini Amazon. I mean, it's it's the kind of it's the kind of technology that yeah. you have designed for warehousing and things like that because it was so robust and so efficient for the tape mechanisms that the manufacturing facilities took the same kind of robotic control system and built it into the robot warehouses of today. Based so dumb on it the, down, it's just it's a vending machine for LTO oh, tapes. Nice. So it sounds like then it's really you can actually kind of get into it a lot of different price levels. You can do the uh, the M M Logic, which is a single tape, and I know there are different sizes of of the tape robot system. I, I've seen some that are can be put in someone's trunk, and I've seen some that are quite large and you know sure. aren't easily easily movable. So it sounds like you can get into it without it uh, you know totally breaking the bank. I mean I don't I don't know what any of these things cost. It's a really but... good afternoon on eBay. <laughs> oh, you! I mean, go look on e, and, and that's just to see and get some knowledge and go see what's available and see how how fast the technology progresses. I would never tell anybody who is not a certified like data person to ever buy this stuff on eBay because some of the configurations are not the simplest and the easiest. Um, um, I had to get really good at line command and DOS to originally do it. You don't have that issue now. You plug mm -hmm. it in and it just works. Um, but I, and I have systems on. I have a Mac system and a PC system, so I have I have an internal system on one of my Windows machines, and I have the SIM take, which I use on both. But but one of the things that's real important for people to understand is, is it's it's really, really easy to use now. You just plug it in and it works, Well, you, um, you, as opposed to having to learn line command. <laughs> no, line command, bad. I, I could certainly say that. But uh, you you can also, it, there's, um, I'm thinking about, like, I think Imagine Products makes software, Hedge makes one, I yeah. think uh, Yoda makes makes one that is, that is I, you know, I'm thinking on a Mac, but I'm sure they have them on the PC, but it's just a simple application to interface with the LTO, and if you have a single mm -hmm. disk, one like the M Logic, then it'll tell you, "Hey, load this tape up." You pop the tape in, and I guess I'm sure you've got like a PDF kind of catalog you can print out, or it'll say thumbnails. So yeah, it, it actually keeps oh, it, the the, the um, Yoyata and Imagine Products pre-roll, post-roll, which are the two products. Um, they maintain a, a data archive that can be transferred from computer to computer, and cloning operations and all that kind of stuff. You can back up the database to an LTO. Mm -hmm. You can actually transfer the database to another one. You can generate a report for each archive or each tape. Um, all of those, all of that, that like excuse the expression, anal functionality is all built into it for accounting and, and management. But it's also checksumming and some other stuff. It's all the security protocols yeah. that go into maintaining an archive of like that for an insurance company, for a business, for military, for public use. Yeah, the one, so there's all of the security stuff added to it. The one Hedge makes is called a canister. And I'm assuming all mm -hmm. of those, uh, they have to do some sort of data checking once they write it to tape. They go back and the software checks the, the integrity of what they wrote to tape to make sure it's there and and uh, good, I'm guessing, I would hope. 
You know what's great about all of this is that it used to be, I think, a little more intimidating, like, you know, was just mentioned before about coding and things like that, is that you used to have another layer of archive software. So you used to need to know your, you know, your nearline software, but then you have to figure out your whole archive software and know how that works and how everything talks to each other. Now that you can read these LTO tapes like hard drives, you can have any type of media asset management that just pushes. So like a hedge, great example. It just pushes it. it it'll push to a hard drive. It'll push to an LTO tape, but it at least will record that data of the fact that it did that. You can put cat TV on here. So they've cracked open these boxes, figured out how the software works, and then they're able to move that data and then also go back and track it and put thumbnail files. And then you know exactly where that data is at and what, what tape it's on. So what, uh, so the M logic is the Thunderbolt based one. Are there, is there others that are on a really low end like that? And then what, like, give us a good example of like low end, medium, and the, and the, and the high end, and what we might expect. To well, that's a that's pay a for. that's a that's a Ken thing. So go for it, Ken. Yeah, the the M Logic's a great one because it is low cost of entry, um, and you you are certainly going to be able to just do more of a plug and play. They have other USB options and things like that, and then you get up to the scale when you get into like a Spectral Logic, you get into um, you know a quantum system where you start doing some robots and libraries and things like that. And I'll, I'll tell you, you know. It doesn't matter, you know, with what product you want to use. That's the beauty of this is that it will read. You don't have to have like back in the day where you had to have a Sony tape with a Sony deck and it, that's just where it worked perfect. You can use whatever tape you're comfortable with. A lot of companies out there, what they'll do is they'll, um, if they're going through a lot of tape, they'll get two brands just to have extra, you know, security. They'll get an hmm. HP and then they'll get a Fuji. So all of all of that together, it really makes it to where you you can rest assured that your stuff is archived and backed up. But as far as the uh, hardware you're talking about, there's a lot of different options out there. Uh, the ones that we see the most, and like Gary mentioned before, is the M Logic to just get into, you know, doing single drive, single tape backups. As you get into the larger scale, you're talking more like Spectral Logic and Quantum, where you start doing the larger scale uh, okay. backups. How how big? Oh, and, and understand and understand they they they're available for Mac and PC. It's not right. a one. It's not either or. When I started, it was near impossible to do an LTO on a Mac. Good now point. it's actually just as easy on a Mac as it is on a PC. So that's 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 one of the simplistic things. You started to ask a question, Scott. How big are LTO tapes? How, how many terabytes do they hold? This day and age. So right now on the LTO eights, you're talking 12 terabytes uh, native. Okay. Um, so so what that terabytes, means is, I, I look at it a different way, Ken. I look at it as 12, sure. 12 terabytes uncompressed. Correct. If you That's want, if you want to compress the data, which which is taking out the holes, which for video is not necessarily the best thing in the whole world, but but for a lot of projects it works really well. You take out the holes, you can get as much as 30 terabytes on a tape. Is that, is the that tape, does the software do like that? Have, yeah. It just fills in. It just takes out the gaps. You know, compression is one of those things that you got to think about. And data compression is, um, I don't need any zeros. I just need ones. So you take out half of the data because it only needs to know where the ones are, and and you don't think about how well, data compresses. Ones zeros compress. It, it is, but data compresses easier than imagery does. And imagery has to compress colors and all of that. But if you're compressing ones and zeros, it's a different level of data compression. Um, so Scott, and, this is, and Gary, this is where it starts getting crazy is that, you know, if you wanted hard drives, like we have 16 terabyte, you know, just single hard drives, um, they're not that large. But then if you want, you know, 96 terabytes or 192 terabytes, you have to get some sort of larger desktop or rack mount system, right? Well, if you look at like LTO's projections, even through LTO 12, it's the same size tape. 
but they're going to be recording 192 terabytes uncompressed, like Gary's talking about, on one tape. Wow. So it gets really compelling as far as the footprint and also your electrical and everything else that you need to be able to archive your media. What's the speed to to write you know, a tape full of the, I mean, 100, I mean, say it's 12 terabytes. How fast do you, can you fill that tape up? And then if you need to get data back off of it, how fast can can you get the data back off? It's not like a hard drive where you're reading it at a, you know, 300 or 1,000 megs a second to edit off of. You can't do that with LTO, I don't think. Very similar to like a, <laughs> a very similar to like a, just a direct attached drive, uh, whether it's USB, USB-C or whatever, you're getting anywhere from 300 to 750 megabits a second. Oh, that's not bad then. Megabytes, megabytes, not megabits. Megabytes, thank you. Yeah, but that's not bad. That's that's kind of what you're doing with a faster, faster raid sometimes. Then. Well, I mean, you know, you know, I I'm on LTO eight for my system here, so I'm I'm fairly current, and I average about 725 megabytes a second writes and about 685 reads. See, that's great. So. So, so that's actually really high, but I've tuned my system, and that system just does one thing. So those are, those are kind of comparative numbers. You know, like reading off a drive at 600 megabytes a second, that's actually not too bad. Mm, no, not um, at all. You know, most, most camera, cameras can't record that fast. Just remember that. The fastest camera recordings right now are, are things like Phantoms and, and Alexa 65s and that. And, and even they're pushing the 600 megabytes per second limits on that and we can pull that off an lto tape and that's the other part about this it's not the slow antique archive that people were used to it's not that i have to unload this entire tape at 30 megabytes a second um and then wait for three days when it unloads to be able to pull off you know a text file now with <laughs> LTFS, speed of these drives, you've got this this compatibility on your desktop for a proper professional archive system that meets insurance standards for military clients, for you know any client that you might have. It would meet that standards for for archive, but it's also fast enough to be able to make it useful for us in a modern age. And and that's the point that I think we're trying to make here is that it's 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 not as difficult as it used to be. It's a little. You know, it's a it's a touch on the pricey side, but it's designed for that kind of protection, and that's why it it costs a little bit more than you know your standard USB drive from Best Buy. Yeah. Well, you know what, Gary, in, in your bailiwick, I mean, it's going to be the production side, right? And doing the archive, you're actually you know using yeah. this every day. Is it? Can't you stream at those speeds right off the tape as well? Yes. Oh, without question. Well, my um, little fancy you know, uh, Samsung T5 SSD that I'm looking at right here that people love, and I love those little things. I mean, it's, you know, it, it Blackmagic disk speed test pegs it at about 350, 350 370 right. megs a second. So that's, you know, that's as fast, or an LTO may go faster on some occasions. So I, I think I thought they were a lot slower than that. They, they used were. to be. Yeah. They used to be a lot slower. I mean, the, uh, unloading a tape in the old day, I mean, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, First time I ran into a 99, I ran into doing an issue with Leo Burnett here in Chicago. And we had to take some stuff off an archive, and it took a day and a half. Oh, well. To, to pull. You got to build that files. into your schedule. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, that's, and that's why it keeps getting faster. But it's also about how much data we use and, and how we handle data. And, and, you know, it's still it's about the longevity. It's the archive nature of, of LTO that's important for people to understand and, and think about, particularly if you're in a business that you're planning longevity for your career. It's, mm. You know, if you don't have the archive, you can't prove anything later on. You know, if you don't have the archive, you can't do that. And it's educational for yourself and your clients. Well, you've you know? guys convinced me. I just ordered one off Amazon and it says it's going to be about 12 months <laughs> before I get it. 
you to, uh, you know, good for you. Not, not, not necessity shipping. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, guys, this has been good information. I think, uh, it was from China, man. We, oh yeah. There, yeah, there you, there you go. Um, let's, any last words about LTO? I think we pretty much covered it, covered the, uh, the bases pretty well. If, if not, I'm good. I'm one of those people that really enjoy having that capability in my office. I don't use it all the time. I actually unarchive stuff for other people on a regular basis because they don't have a tape or access to it, um, particularly production companies in the city. But it's one of those things that I find, and it's, I, I think it's a, it's a necessity for a long-term philosophy for your business. And if you're doing nothing but keeping your business archive on it, that alone is enough for me to maintain an archive of, you know, where do I keep all my tax documents? How do I keep all the emails I get? I mean, I get four or 5,000 emails a day. I can take that archive electronically. A and day? Archive it you get four or 5,000 emails a day? How many mailing yes. lists are you subscribed to? <laughs> Lord have mercy. I don't know. You know, it's NAB time. It's kind of down right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell me about it. Well, you know, I know I've got several clients I work for, production companies, and they, and they have LTO systems. You know, they, most of them are the MLogic, the, the little one, but it's, um, it, it is cost-effective, and it's, they can put tons of data on it and, and, and put it in a closet, or t you know, put it at the bank or their, you know, uh, in-laws' house, and there you go. There's their, there's their archive. And I will say too, what, whether it's you know Fuji, HP, um, IBM, you know Sony, everybody, they are investing so much in the consortium that they have for LTO and the future of LTO because they see there's you know a long leg here. Uh, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. So as far as customers knowing that they're going to be able to go back and even like what Gary's talking about, have the reassurance that you know he can pull this up a year or two from now or whatever, it's going to be there and it's going to be available. Well, I, uh, I think we have, uh, you know, I, I just actually was clicked on the film tools and, um, there's an M logic, uh, M tape Thunderbolt LTO six for, uh, $29.99, so three grand, four grand with yep. some tapes with it. So yeah, that's not, I mean, and it comes with pre-roll post-roll comes with the imagine tool. Right yeah. And here's one with the yo, uh, I call it yo Yoda. Is it yo Yada? How do you pronounce that? Yo Yada. Uh -huh. yo Yada. So it comes uh, right there with it, ready to, uh, ready to use. So. So there you go. Gentlemen, thanks for this good talk on LTO. I uh, hope you stay uh, hands clean, stay safe, stay well. Stay safe. Pleasure talking to you both. Yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll find another uh, sort of, you know, not fun topic that's important, and we'll, we'll, we'll chat again soon. <laughs> that's Until next time. Take care.